0: Hi, welcome. Thanks for joining us again today. You know, previously we were speaking about having a relationship with God. It's really important that we understand that that's what God wants from us and that's what God wants us to enjoy. He doesn't want us to have a religion about Him, rather, He wants us to have an intimate relationship with Him. Stop and think about that for a moment. The Creator of the universe, the Creator of heaven and earth. The one who flung stars into space now desires and reveals in his word a desire to have a relationship with us. Not a casual relationship, but like we said before, a covenant relationship. That's amazing, isn't it? Now, we looked through scripture previously, how God reveals his intention and his desire for such a relationship. By using the same statement over and over again, especially when he's walking with the children of Israel. What was that statement? Simple. It was this. And I will be your God and you will be my people. Now, if we take the Bible as a whole and we read it through the light of relationship with God, we can see that actually in the original design, when we read in the book of Genesis, we see the intention of God, don't we? That God made man... God made mankind, humanity in his image. Why did he make them? What was the primary purpose of making man? To have relationship, fellowship, the sharing of life with man. Then we read through the Old Testament, like I said, and we see those crazy moments where God just remains faithful, remains faithful, remains faithful. But the children of Israel remain unfaithful, going off and worshipping other gods, Yet in the middle of it, we see God constantly restoring them and bringing them back to a place of relationship with himself, revealing his heart many times through the book of Hosea and other statements. He reveals this simple thought. I want not a casual, but a covenant relationship with you. Now, what does covenant relationship mean? It means that we are fully his and he is fully ours. The best comparison for a covenant relationship, as we said before, would be marriage. But in marriage, I believe God reveals to us the type or the depth of relationship that he's always and now still has the desire for when it comes to walking with us in our lives. Now, when we look at marriage, we see, like I said, there's different times in the Bible where God refers to a marriage type type terminology in Jeremiah 31 32 he says I've been like a husband to you and he's talking to Israel and in Hosea he reveals how Israel has been like an unfaithful wife to him so when we look at marriage in its ideal in its original design it's brilliant that we understand it's a design of God for two people to have a strong, secure relationship with each other where there's set expectations. But also within marriage, there's this imagery where God says, don't be confused about the relationship that I want with you and I want you to enjoy with me. Simply look to marriage. Look to that original design of a covenant-based relationship called marriage. And within that, you can see the behavior that should be expected, the things that people can expect and imagine from the other person in that relationship. Now, maybe you're watching today and you say, well, I didn't have a good marriage or I didn't uh, experience a good marriage when I watched my mum and dad. And maybe you're saying today, oh, it's okay for you, you've got a good marriage, you have a point of comparison to see what God wants from, but I don't, Andy, I don't have that point of comparison. It's strange, isn't Isn't it, that we must really all have an ideal of what a great marriage is, otherwise we wouldn't be able to have a comparison within ourselves of what a bad one is. If you didn't have ingrained within you the thought of what an incredible marriage is, you wouldn't have a place of comparison to judge what maybe you've experienced. So I want to say to you today, whatever your experience of uh, being in marriage or watching marriage has been, think of the very best marriage you could ever imagine. That's what God is portraying when he says he wants a marriage type relationship with us. I want to look at three key things today. When we look at a natural marriage between a husband and a wife, these would be, normal expectations of behaviour within that relationship. They wouldn't be things that would be shocking, outrageous. When we talk about a natural relationship between a husband and a wife, we would say, no, these these three things are no-brainers. Well, I really believe that God says to us, we're to understand our relationship with him. And we should understand that just as these three things are not outrageous in a natural marriage or relationship, so they're not outrageous in his expectation of us when we walk with him as his people. So let's look at these three things today. Three words, self, wealth, and time. I wish that they could rhyme, but I couldn't find a third word that fitted or rhymed with self and wealth. But those are the three things that are present within a natural marriage, and are present in the marriage-type relationship that we now have with God. Self, wealth, and time. Now, again, these are three relatable, relational expectations. Let's look firstly at self. Now, when a person moves from being single to being married, that really adjusts the place of self or selfishness or being self-absorbed now in the world of their life. Previously to being married, they could have said, well, I want to do this, I want to do that. It's all about what I want. What do I want from this moment? Where suddenly within marriage, within a covenant relationship like marriage, selfishness or being self-absorbed doesn't fit very well. Why? Because when somebody is married, self me, I, is replaced with us. Suddenly, there's two people in the relationship, no longer one, and a person can no longer live for themselves. They have to also live for the other person also. Now, we see that in the success of marriages, but also in marriages that aren't successful. Often when you sit and you speak to people about what's the problem in their marriage You'll often dig in and find that one or both of them aren't living for the other person. They've never put their self in a new place. They're still continuing to live for I instead of living for us. Now, this is the same when we walk with the Lord. When we become a Christian, it's no longer I that live, but suddenly we're in a relationship with God where we need to know what does he want from our life? What does he want from our time? What does he want from our daily life? And we need to have a passion in our hearts to be living in a us relationship with God, not an I relationship, which we once knew before. Because in a marriage type relationship, there's the presence of more than one will. Again, before somebody is married, I will, I want, I will, I want. After somebody's married and they're in a covenant relationship, suddenly it's about we, it's about what's your will, what's your desires, no longer just our own. Now, marriage causes self to die or step aside constantly. Anyone that's been married, you understand that marriage suddenly gives you a platform that self can no longer fly like it once did. In fact, marriage causes self in you to have to die and constantly step aside. Why? Because it's no longer just about you. It's now about you and the other person in the relationship. And anybody that's had children knows that when the children start coming along, suddenly self dies even more, self continually steps aside over and over again why because now you're living not just for yourself but for the benefit of others so the bible like I said continually speaks through the lens of relationship God revealing through marriage what he desires with us let's look at a couple of verses in Ephesians 5 25 God says to the husbands husbands love your wives Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Did you see it? He loved the church, his bride, and gave himself up for her. Now, in Ephesians, this is speaking about a husband and a wife, but it's also speaking about Christ, the bridegroom, and his bride, the church. That's you and me. And he says he gave himself up. He gave up what he willed. He gave up what did his self good for the benefit of you and me. But then previously in verse 22, you see him speak to the wives. In verse 25, he speaks to the husbands. Then in verse 22, he speaks to the wives and he says, wives, submit yourselves or yourself to your own husband. Can you see what's said there again? Wives, submit the self of who you are to your own husband. Now, I believe it's key that a wife should submit herself to her own husband. That's a no-brainer. But whether it's the husband giving himself or the wife submitting herself, the topic here in Ephesians 5 is no longer living in regard to yourself like you once did, but being conscious of the other person in the relationship. So in marriage, in a covenant relationship, there really is no place for extreme self-life. There's no place for me want, me prefer. It's now we, we, we. Some of my favourite verses are Galatians 2.20 where it gives an understanding that it's no longer I who lives. My I has been crucified with Christ. It's now Christ alive in me. We have to understand as Christians that Galatians 2.20 speaks of the death of the I and the self of who we were before we had relationship with God. And it encourages us to be christ with us, Christ inside of us, minded now. A classic example of self-stepping aside for me in my marriage to Gina is what we do on my day off or our day off. There we go again. It's not my day off. It stopped to be my day off when I got married. But sometimes with a day off, when you have a day off, you can be sitting there relaxing, watching Netflix or doing something that I want to do, then all of a sudden Gina will come in and say, should we do this today? And she expresses something that she wants to do. I have a choice. Do I say, no, I want to do what I want to do on my day off? Or do I say, let's do things that we both want to do because this is our marriage, our relationship, And our day off. That's a simple example, but it really colours in how daily we have to make the choice to now live selfless regarding the other person in the relationship. And when we do, we cause that relationship to blossom, to flourish and to bloom. Okay, let's look at the second word today, wealth or money. Things change with your money or your wealth when you come into a relationship, not casual, but covenant with another person. Before you're married, it's really your money. It's about what you want to do with it. It's your money. You spend it how you want. Now, when you come into marriage, it moves from being mine to ours. Now, I know that this is different for certain people in how they've structured their finances for me and Gina when we got married we were that common picture of we just brought both of our financial accounts together there weren't two accounts there was one account and that's my understanding of what success looks like within marriage but i'm conscious other people do things differently and and there's two different accounts for the husband and the wife i want to be honest I don't understand that because that's never been a way that I've lived. Because when me and Gina came together everything that we were came together I'm not saying that one way is right or one way is wrong but what I'm saying is when we come into our understanding of relationship with God there is no place for that way of thinking we've got to understand that what is ours is his oh we love the thinking of what his is ours but it's a two-way street when we're walking in covenant relationship with God we acknowledge that it's no longer about what we want the self of who we are. but equally we don't have finances outside of him we don't just say God will you give us what you've got but we say God what is ours is there for you to use also I suppose a good way of putting this would be to say but there are no prenuptial agreements with God. When a person gets born again, when a person comes into a covenant relationship with God, there's no such thing as a prenuptial agreement. You can't come to God and say, all right, I'll be in relationship with you, but you're not allowed to touch this. This is mine. This money's mine. But then also be saying, God, will you let me have what's yours? It just doesn't work. <clears throat> now, one way of understanding this is this always helps me. I don't have anything that he didn't give me anyway. It's amazing sometimes when you hear people speaking of their money or their wealth in the context of what God has a right to use or ask for. And sometimes it's like, well, wait a moment. I I earned this wealth. This is my money. Listen, you need to remember what Deuteronomy 8 verse 18 says, that it's God who gave you the power Another word for power is ability to earn wealth. It's God who gave you and me the power and the ability to earn wealth. The bottom line is, if it wasn't for his goodness, his favour, the breath that he gives us, the ability he gives us, we wouldn't have anything. But because of his goodness, we do. And now the Lord asks us to honour him with what he's blessed us with, we could call that tithing, but also allow him to stir our hearts to give to others. That's called offering. God wants to use your finances to bless others. And when we allow him to use our finances to bless others, he never leaves us without provision. God wants us to know Just covenant provision in our lives but we've got to allow him to be the Lord not just of our time not just of our hearts but also our wallets too now we bring this area to him in submission and he in return blesses it come on think about this in the positive and not the negative well I struggle bringing my tithe to the Lord why Because if you bring the 10% to him, he blesses not just the 10%, but the 90% also. You see, God will never be any man's debtor. God will be in debt to no man. God doesn't need our finances. He just knows that finances play such a key part in our lives that if he has our wallet, he has our heart. He wants to be the Lord of that area too. He wants to help us to understand covenant relationship, not that we could be worse off, but that we could experience blessing beyond what we imagined. So we've spoken about self and we've spoken about wealth. But when we come from being single into a married relationship with God, a covenant relationship with God, where God says, I want to be your God and I want you to be my people. The reality is that everything should change in our world. We no longer live for ourselves We no longer consider the things we have, like wealth and finance, to be our own. Maybe you say, well, I'm a self-made man. That's the problem. You're worshipping the one that made you. You see, if you're self-made, you're still worshipping self when actually you need to understand you are not self-made. You were God-made. And now that you're back in relationship with God, you should worship him, walk with him, with your heart, with your time, with your strength. What does the Bible say? That you love the Lord your God. Not with some, but with all of your strength, all of your mind, all of your ability. But also, you give him open access to everything he's blessed you with, including that thing called money. But then we get to this one time, time, life. Now, it says in 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 to 20, Do you not know that your life is not your own? You were bought with a price. It's good for us to remember this because sometimes. Yes, Lord, we belong to you, but my time is my own. No, no, no. You have nothing that he didn't first give you. And when we understand what the New Testament preaches or a New Covenant gospel preaches, we understand that our lives were not bought with the blood of bulls and goats, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. He paid a fair price, not for some of you or for some of your time, but for all of you. Again, those verses in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20 remind us, we are no longer our own. We were bought with a price. We are not slaves, but we now belong to God. So suddenly, just as we did with our finances, we make a decision that we're going to walk in shared life with God. We're not going to have our time But our time has become his time, just as he made his time our time to enjoy. It's about us living now to fulfill his will and his purposes. That God chooses to give each and every one of us a moment on the earth. Think about that. I was walking to work today. And as I was walking to work, I thought there were people on the earth before I got here. One day when my life is spent, if Jesus tarries, you know, and I'm in heaven there, there'll be people on the earth after I've lived. I have a moment of life, a moment of time that God has placed me on the earth. And so do you. Now, the best way to live that time is to find the purposes of God for why he placed you on the earth. But you'll never find the purposes of God for your life until you bring your life fully to him and say, Lord, not my will be done, but your will be done. Let the time or the currency of my days be spent not just on the things that I want to do, the things that take care of the I of who I am. But Lord, now I surrender my life, my time, my days to you, to your purposes. Like David served the purposes of God in his generation. So now Lord, I'm so thankful that I have a relationship with you. Lord, I'm so thankful for the time and the days that you've given me, the health and the providence that you cause me to know in my daily life. But now I also bring my time to you. And I say, Lord, let me serve you. Let me serve your purposes again, our comparisons today, is a natural marriage. A natural marriage will flourish when each of the people in that marriage, the husband and the wife, don't mind serving the other person because in serving each other, they become one strong unit. Jesus served you. Jesus left heaven, came to earth and was stretched out on a cross. To give his life, he endured the cross for the joy that lay the other side. What was the joy that laid the other side? The ability for God to have relationship with us, a fallen humanity restored back into fellowship with the creator God. So it's no big thing now for us to say, Lord, as you came and served me, the great servant king, So now I gladly bring who I am, the time that you've given me to serve you. Let's just finish with this thought. How do we serve God? Oh, well, I worship him. No, 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 that's not serving God. Worship is an expression of your love for him. You see, the reality is that the way that we serve God is we serve each other. God doesn't need anything from us. But when we turn around and we say, like like Joshua did, I will serve the purposes of God in my generation. What we're actually saying is, I am going to serve what God is doing in this life by serving others. If I was to stand in church and ask the question, who wants to serve God? Many hands would go up. But the moment I asked a second question, do you know that the way that you serve God is to serve others and to serve his church. Suddenly people would look at me in a more confused way. Why? Because they don't understand the way that we serve God and we give God our time and the best of who we are is when we live each day to serve others. As we get on teams, when we serve The kids in children's church, when we work in the food bank, when we do anything that brings wholeness and the plan of God into the life of another, even if it's very, very practical, what we actually do is we're serving God. Let me leave you with that thought. If you want to serve God, look at a way of serving others. Come on, let's rejoice in this covenant relationship that we've got with God. Let's be people that say I'm no longer living a single life or a life that I lived before I knew him. But now I gladly come to him, knowing all that he's given me and all that he does for me. And I say, Lord, be the Lord of everything that I am. Be the Lord of my time, my wealth. Be the Lord of myself. I gladly walk in fellowship with you because that is the best life I could ever know. The Lord bless you. Have an amazing week. See you next week.